Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right. Well, hey, uh, if you haven't been with us or you've been with us, we're going to go over and finish this series called From This Day Forward, uh, which is about five commitments uh, to fail-proof your marriage and your relationships that we really believe wholeheartedly. We've been getting into the Word uh, each week and seeing what God has to say about this. And um, we're going to go over them real specifically. I want to give a little uh, extra shout out. Last week, uh, my wife joined me, and thank you so much for giving her grace and uh, giving her encouragement and how bold she was and how scared I was, and I didn't get hurt afterwards, so thank you for being so kind <laughs> to her. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so many people were like, you were so bold, Michelle. I can't believe you did that to her. I can't believe it. <laughs> it was, it was uh, super fun to have her up here and do that with her. But we've been talking about these five commitments, and uh, I'm going to have you guys do them with me because I know everyone's been here every week, and so you guys remember every single one of them, so we're going to say them together out loud. The first week, we, the thing we talked about that we need to do is to seek God. God. That's right. Seek number one with our number two uh, every day. And when things get distressed and start going astray, uh, we need to seek God uh, together with the other people that we have relationships with. The second thing we need to do is fight fair. Fight fair. Sorry, I took it from you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was all excited about fighting. Uh, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, and that it, there is a way to fight fair. And we're always going to have conflict in our relationships. Next, we need to make sure we have... How many of you guys had fun this week? Right? Yeah, a handful of you guys. Good uh, side-by-side, face-to-face time. We all know what we're talking about. A little belly button, a belly button, button. Yeah. Today we're talking about that we need to stay. We need to stay pure. This is so important. And God has a lot to say about this. And it's going to be in our face. Um, and it's something that I'm passionate about. And uh, I'm excited to get into it with us because this is such a key commitment we need to make. And the last thing to really sum all this up that we're going to talk about today is to never, never give up. In this, we want to never give up. So listen to me carefully when I ask this question. How many of you guys are looking and have always wanted to have an affair? Good. No one raised their hand. Uh, how many of you guys have ever wanted to, you know, that's, that's kind of like really extreme, like an emotional affair. Like you've always wanted to have an emotional affair. Yeah, no. Good. Uh, or an addiction. You're like, yes, that's me. Sign me up. No, right? Most people believe that. 90% of Americans uh, believe in studies and statistics tell us that they say that adultery is wrong. How many of you guys agree with that? Adultery is wrong. Yeah, most of us, I would say 90% right now are participating with me. Uh, That's what statistics say. In fact, I'm going to give you a a staggering uh, statistic, and that is that the University of California did a study that from 1998 to 2008, in that 10-year, one-decade Uh, time that adultery, even though 90% of us agree that it is inappropriate and shouldn't be happening, that it went up by double. It has increased over time, and it has really become a crisis in our marriage. Uh, And marriages in general, which has been given to us by God and that commitment that we make, has really turned into a crisis. I believe that it's one of the biggest crises in the Christian church uh, in this time, in this day, in relationships. And there's a lot of statistics out there. Maybe some of you guys have heard that 50% of marriages end in divorce. How, how encouraging is that? It's not. It's not. 
Uh, that is like a, it's been one that's been around a lot for a long time. Uh, there's been some debate on that of, you know, what causes the separation. Some of it's widowed. So there's some a give and take within there. That's why it's about uh, 50%. So I started looking into this and said, oh, you know, well, people who go to the church and follow these commitments and God's word, they must be better at this. And uh, we see that 34% of evangelical churchgoers, their relationships end in divorce. So we say, well, it's not 50%, it's 34%. And we try to sell ourselves and like, that's pretty good. No, it's not. And I want to show you that that's still horrible. We had some conversations, even our staff meeting, like, well, it's down. It's down from 50. It's down. Like we were trying to talk ourselves and it's better. And it's like, no, th- listen to ourselves. This is still, uh, this is horrible. This is a crisis in uh, this world today. And it hurts people. One third of um, divorce litigation is caused by online affairs. Um, 54% of, of men do not believe that online affairs are adultery. Um, 30% of cyber affairs escalate from email to telephone um, calls to personal contact. Um, you know, why is this happening? Why is there so much impurity? It's hurting our families. It's breaking them down. Uh, it's hurting our children. Maybe you guys are uh, um, uh, part of that statistic. Um, and and uh, some of you guys are trying to prevent from being a part of that statistics. So why is impurity happening in our relationships uh, and in the world today, and a lot of it leads to, like, we just have access to everything. Uh, you have access to, like, things like Facebook, which is great in some circumstances, but suddenly, like, you're able to meet up and make a contact with someone maybe you haven't contacted for a long, long time, like an ex or something, or social media, or the things that we're able to see or the things that we're able to see. I mean, you have on a telephone and an iPad or a tablet, all these different things, access to things that you've never had access like you do nowadays. And it has become a major, major issue. It says in Hebrews 13, 4, that marriage should be honored by all in the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. We uh, understand and believe that adultery and purity is a really important thing. And so we've talked about a little bit about what impurity is and, and how that can happen and how it's so much more accessible. So today I want to focus on a couple things that we can do uh, to keep those commitments. And the first is this. We need to work on our outward purity. We need to work on our outward purity, and that's our behavior, what's on the outside. We need to work on our behavior it says um, in Ephesians 5.3, but among you there must be not even a hint. Underline that, circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. Must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. This is like real deal here. This is uh, no buts about it. This is not even a hint or any kind of impurity. So let's talk about what's an impurity. Let's and impurity, I want you to think of, equals like poison. It, it makes something that's great and good not great and good anymore. It ruins it like poison. It's not like when you have a really tasty drink and you're like loving your drink and the wind blows and there's some like dirt or something that kind of flies into it. You can schluff that off and just power through it. You're going to enjoy your drink still. You're just going to move that off to the side. No, no, no. Impurity... And poison is like when you got your drink, and unfortunately, you just realized a bird flew by and pooped in your drink. (laughs) 
You're not going to power through that. You're not going to move it off to the side and wipe it off. It's done. The whole thing is ruined. That's what impurity is. It's like poison. It's like poop in your drink. Bird poop. And I know that sounds extreme. It's grossing you guys out, but you're going to remember it. Remember, impurity is like bird poop in your drink. You can't push through it. Impurity is poison. We need to keep it out because you have this good thing. You have such a good thing. And something so small like an impurity, a hint, a hint of it can ruin it. And God says that must not even be a hint or any kind of impurity. He even says uh, in Proverbs 5.8, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door to her house. Proverbs 5.8. You know, um, we, what, what, what's um, a hint of impurity? Let's talk about that for just a second, besides the bird poop stuff. Um, a hint, you can tell me, say yes. Um, do you think that, um, you know, being at work and looking at some things inappropriate uh, uh, on your computer at work is a hint of impurity? Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, it is. Do you think that um, dressing super provocatively, uh, you know, showing everybody what you're working with and, uh, you know, like what they, what they can be working with is a hint yeah. of impurity? Yeah, for reals. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, the, a hint of impurity, like, you know, what about when somebody's uh, in a relationship and they're somewhere else, maybe they had a little too much or they haven't had any and they're just going to be dancing all up on somebody. Is there a hint of impurity there? <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. Or what about uh, ladies uh, or whoever, I guess, really, when you're you know, going to read Fifty Shades of Grey? Is there a hint of impurity there? Everyone's like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, it's a, it spices up the relationship. No, no, no. Yes. Yes, it is a hint. Uh, let me tell you this. In God's vision of things, there is not 50 shades of gray. There is black and there is white. There is sin and there is not. There is right and there is wrong. And I'm, and I'm being straight serious. That is a hint. It's, gonna, it's an open window, a little crack in the door um, to that. And we need to flee from it. It says, keep to a path far from her. Now, those of you guys in the room who maybe aren't Christians, aren't Christ followers, you are sitting here looking at me going, this is stupid. That's dumb. Uh, what you're saying is ridiculous. You are right. If you're not a follower of Christ, you're totally right. That makes sense to you because you're like, hey, this is, we get to do what we want. This is the world I live in. This is how people do things. This is the culture. This is my body. I can do with it what I choose. You're right. And it tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee, run from sexual immorality. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. If you are a follower of Christ, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Honor, your, honor God with your body. That's the difference. We need to set up boundaries so we don't have a hint in there. I don't know about you guys. I have some boundaries that I've set up. Um, some people think they're pretty extreme. There are some things that I won't do, and I won't spend time with women other than my wife and my girls by myself. Uh, I've had people think I'm the craziest person ever because I've been somewhere and I wouldn't give a woman a ride home by myself. I won't do it. Uh, and they said, well, I would give your wife a ride somewhere if she ever needed to. No, no, no. No, you won't. <laughs> and, <laughs> and no, I won't. I just won't. I want to stay above reproach. I want to stay above. I don't even want to hint 
to sneak in there. I won't uh, counsel uh, women by myself. My door will stay open. Someone has to be at the office. People have wanted counseling, and I'm all for it, and I will do it. But it has to be like during an hour when someone else can be there. Uh, and my door will stay open most of the time, and when it doesn't, I have a window. My screen is going to be set up so people can walk by and they can see what's going on on my computer screen. I'm going to protect myself. My wife knows every password that I have on my phone, my social media. I put lockdowns on things. I have to flee and walk on the other side from that. Those are some boundaries that I've set up that are super important. And some of you be like, wow, Larry, do you like, do you have a problem? Do you have like an issue with that? No, I don't. Um, but I don't even want there to be an opportunity for a hint to sneak in. I don't even want a little bird poop. <laughs> Nothing, because it'll ruin everything. People uh, have my, uh, they can see every click I've done on my computer. They're signed up for a little watching thing, and they have the number of my boss that can fire me for doing it, because I don't even want a hint in there. You got to set up boundaries and flee from it and keep yourself far away. Outward purity, it's about the behavior. Number two is inward purity. It's about the heart. Inward purity is about the heart. It says this in Psalms 119, asks this great question. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's a great question for us to ask today. How can we keep, how can we keep our, our, ourselves pure? It's by living according to your word, by following commitments, by following God's word, just like we've been talking about doing in all these circumstances in midst our relationships. To seek you with all my heart. And this one, this is a key one, to keep his word hidden in your heart. You keep just bringing it in. You bring it in, you bring it in, you bring it in. You're going to fill it up where there's no room for just that little extra hint. Where it's just not going to be worth it to do like the long draw. It's just not. Fill it up. Keep it hidden in your heart. It says in Matthew 8, Matthew 5, 28, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's like real deal. That's some serious stuff right there. That's like heart. That's like serious. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, what we do, what that saying is, is that our line of sin or impurity is too far along. Um, for a lot of us, our line is like right here. And that line that we go to is like adultery. We're not going to step over that one. That's the line. What we don't realize is the line is really way back here. And it's like looking at somebody. Look, 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 lust, lust, lust. One, 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 one. Fantasize, fantasize, fantasize. You're stepping over all kinds of lines to get to that line. And what we got to realize is the line, the boundary, is really much further back. We have to protect our heart. Now, there's three responses that uh, is fairly common to impurity. And the first one is defensiveness. You get defensive. The second one is remorse. And the third one is repentance. Now, defensiveness is like when we're saying, well, guys are just that way, or, you know, he did it to me, so I'm going to do it back to him, or, you know, like, it was their problem, and it's their fault. We're defensive. If you're in the room, and you're defensive, you, at this time, in this moment, have a rebellious heart against God. I'm going to tell you that right now. You need to let the walls come down, and let the Spirit kind of talk to you, 
and work you through this and lead you to a place of repentance. The second reaction we have is we say, you know, I'm, I'm a bad person, my bad. You know, uh, if I hadn't been caught, this would have never happened. I'm super bad. <laughs> yeah, Captain Obvious. <laughs> you hadn't done it in the first place. Um, and uh, we just reward, well, just, this is just really awful. It's my bad. I'm just a horrible person. That's not the right response either. The correct response uh, to impurity is repentance. That's uh, saying, God, transform me. Yes, this is bad. I need you to make me anew. I cannot fix this. Only you can fix this. And there is uh, many people uh, who need that today. You need to just repent and say, God, transform me. Clean me from this day forward. Make me pure. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. The uh, second commitment we're going to talk about today is to never give up. This is a, a touchy one, and I want to um, not pass by um, because, you know, we're talking about never giving up. And there is people in this room um, that are dealing with um, t- tremendous circumstances. There are people in this room that have been through a divorce and you know the hurt and the pain and the ripping apart that happens. And I'm not talking about this, and we're not going to talk about this to make you feel bad, because uh, you've already been there, or you're there. There are people in this room that are dealing with abuse uh, and trying to figure out, how do I never give up? And what we're, I'm going to talk about is just what God's Word says about it, and thank God He gives us grace in the midst of this. But we need to be encouraged to never give up. So why, why do people give up? What do we fight about? What drives us apart? Number one is sex. Uh, number two is um, money. Money's a huge one. Uh, communication, our children, in-laws. Yeah, that happens. Uh, separate lives, addictions, dishonesty, secrets, and betrayal. Those are the main reasons people give up. Those are the main reasons people give up. And adultery, like we talked about, that impurity. And, uh, you know, yes, people, people have asked me, you know, what does the Bible say, uh, you know, reasons for divorce, and it spe- speaks specifically to adultery. You're right, yes, it's grounds for divorce, but I want to say this because I feel like there may be somebody in the room this weekend needs to hear it. As adultery is grounds for divorce, it's also grounds for forgiveness. And I, 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 wanna, I want God to speak to you today and encourage you to never give up. And uh, we want to do that together. It says in Matthew 19, 3 through 6, it says, Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? He said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, God has joined together. Let man not separate. Sound familiar? Maybe you've heard that in you know, uh, weddings that you've gone to and attended or on the, on the TV, or maybe it's been said right in front of you. And uh, that's the reason divorce feels horrible. Um, it follows you. It's ripping apart. It's like taking two pieces of paper, individuals, 
and gluing them together, super gluing all the edges and all through the middle, that they become one piece of paper. That's what he's saying. Making them one. They will leave and they'll cleave together and become one. But what happens is when we unone what God's made one, it rips. You, can, you, you get pieces and it tears apart and it tears down and it hurts and there's deep pain. Uh, there's pieces on this side. There's pieces of you and pieces of them left on either side of the paper. And there's pieces that are coming completely off. And often what people forget is that, like we said in the first week of this, seeking God, that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A contract's based on mutual distrust. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. A contract limits my responsibilities and it increases my rights. You know, like when you're renting a house, you're going to lease something for a little bit. You're going to cover yourself. You're going to make sure like, hey, you do your part, I do my part, and don't mess anything else. Like a prenup. I, I have my special car. I don't, if anything happens, I don't want you to get that. That's a contract. You know, my golf clubs are really important to me. And um, Wally the walrus that I got when I was three years old is really special, and I don't want us to tear that thing apart. That is my walrus. Uh, that's a contract where it's based on mutual distrust of this. But a covenant is based on mutual commitment. That's important to remember that. We made a covenant to have mutual commitment. Uh, A covenant is a permanent relationship. There is no end date. That's where we get till death do us apart. Right. So it's important to understand that there is sowing and reaping in your marriage. That's what helps this all stay together and not to give up. It says in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from the nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Bird poop. <laughs> the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not be weary and doing good. For all the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So you reap what you sow. Uh, we all see this. If you're like walking down the street and somebody smiles at you, what do you do? You smile back, right? It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> you reap what you sow. You're walking along, somebody smiles at you, do nothing, you're like, ugh, I don't know why we just did that, but that was a smiling connection, right? <laughs> uh, well, you reap what you sow. You're walking around and somebody flips you off, what do you do? You smile at them and you pray for them and bless them because you're a, you're a Christian. You are not peeling that banana. Um, if someone in your relationship, you reap what you sow, if it gives you grace and thoughtfulness, what usually happens in return? Grace and circumstances and thoughtfulness. If you're in these relationships and it's full of criticism and controlling and complaining, what do you find yourself doing? criticizing, controlling, complaining. If you don't like what you're getting, what are you giving? You reap what you sow. Number two, you reap where you sow. If you plant a seed over here, an apple tree, you can't expect to get an apple tree over here, right? You reap where you sow. If you invest all your time into your hobby and your stuff, you can't expect that your relationship and your marriage is 
all awesome. You've invested nothing into it. If you invest all your time into your kids or your career, you can't expect that your relationship and your marriage over here is going to be all that fantastic. You follow what I'm saying? You reap where you sow. Where are you investing your time? God is my one and my spouse is my number two. Priority of marriage. Uh, Some of you guys maybe just need to hear this little simple phrase and understand because there's so much truth to it, and that is, your marriage is as good as you decide it to be. That's it. Your marriage is as good as you decide it to be. You reap what you sow, and you reap where you sow. I um, uh, had a, a phone call from a friend in Arizona just on Friday. We talked for a couple hours, and they've been having some issues, and there's a lot of hurt and pain there, and um, it turned into a point where they're basically just, I, I figured, like, are you just asking me permission to tell you, like, yeah, I think it's okay for you to give up um, because you're just frustrated and tired and don't feel like doing this anymore because it's been eight months of fighting and trying to not give up? Um, and uh, and my, my answer was, no, I'm not going to give that. And uh, think about what you're asking for. When how many other areas in your life can you do that? How many other areas in your life can you just say, I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like working on it. There's not any other many areas in our life we can just do that. Like, you can't just be like, I just don't feel like feeding the baby. It doesn't work. I just don't feel like going to work. I just don't feel like paying taxes. It doesn't work. But we think that in this area of our life where in our relationships we can just stop working on it and give up. And not giving up doesn't mean that we're not going to get a divorce, friends. Not giving up means that we're not going to stop seeking God, that we're going to not stop fighting fair, that we're going to not stop having fun, and we're going to stay pure and never give up. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.